0: My guest today is Gino Stampora, a hairdresser, author, speaker, business guru, consultant, entertainer, general all-round industry expert, and nice guy with it. Gino has a passion and a level of enthusiasm for learning and sharing information that's infectious and rare to find. I think it's fair to say that he's devoted most of his professional life to helping other hairdressers to grow. Very few people love hairdressers and the hair and beauty business quite like Gino. So welcome to my guest today, Mr. Gino Stampora. Well, thank you, Anthony. It's wonderful to be here. Gino, I'm really excited about, about this because I've listened to you a lot on uh, on different interviews and you're, you're great entertainment. You bring a lot of fabulous wisdom and insight into the hairdressing industry. So um, yeah, this is going to be fun. Um, I always like to start off by getting my guests to Introduce themselves to sort of explain a little bit about who they are, what their background is. So uh, the floor is yours, sir. Well, I'm happy to uh,
1: uh, work, have an opportunity to work with you, and uh, I love the idea of having an audience. Uh, I'm a hairdresser. I've been a hairdresser for a little over 40 years now, and I have had the greatest time of my life. I fell into an industry haphazardly that has accepted me like most of your listeners. Uh, All you have to do is do a good job and somehow fell into salon ownership, which probably wasn't a good thing to do because I'm not a great businessman. But, you know, you learn as you move along. And uh, then as a result of having a couple of uh, salons and not finding great help, I moved into the beauty school business and had a couple of great beauty schools. And uh, since about 1991, uh, I've been educating for the most part all over the free world, uh, just teaching people how to stay passionate and have inspiration and get the most out of building a great clientele and making great money. Right, so you, you you no longer had salons or schools. That's that's correct, isn't it? Yes, I do not. I uh, uh, I'm out since about uh, ninety one or ninety two, and I was it was great. I was able to uh, uh, get my schools off to my partners, and I was able to sell my salons to my to the best of my staff. So
0: it worked out beautifully. Fantastic. Um, you know, you've been in the industry that long. You know, forty plus years, whatever it is. Well, talk talk to us about the changes that you've seen in the industry. It is wild, it Just is, isn't it? What's happening? It's amazing what's yeah. been going on. I'm I'm almost
1: kind of glad that I'm near walking down the other end of the mountain because the industry as I know it really is that much different that it's changed that much. However, uh, I don't think it's demise. I think we're going to be okay. I think everything evolves. I think we have an industry that's evolving and changing, but it doesn't mean it's not the detriment of who we are. It's just uh, the
0: landscape from now on will look different in regard to who we are, and it'll all work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, it's constantly evolving. I, I think I don't know if it's just us because of the you know the generation we are, but it seems to be that it's exponential change at the moment. That it's it's so rapid the the changes in technology the changes in consumer expectation, um, and therefore the changes in the salon business model. And and so the impact is is massive. And I I think in the United States, in a lot of ways, um, you see some of those changes uh, before you see them elsewhere. I think that, um, you know, the technology today with with, uh, smartphones, et cetera, um, and, you know, this younger generation, you know, they are this generation, and it's not their fault, but they're this generation that have been born into this time of, you know, instant gratification. And, you know, they question the, um, you know, the lifestyle that maybe a lot of us baby boomers have have, have, uh, have, have worked um, in, but they've also got the the technology now to enable them to work completely differently, you know. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. What are your thoughts about the changes in the business model that are happening in the hairdressing industry? It's just incredible, isn't it? And, you uh... In
1: America, especially that—that that what you had brought up—I uh, think the speed of life in America is is faster than most other places. When you have that increased, really fast speed of life, uh, people want things. It's—it's not—it's not the millennials. It's just that everybody don't doesn't want to wait. They don't want to be patient. They want things yesterday. They want to grow real fast. And I think that that changes everything. And when you talk about Technology and 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 where technology is going and and having a smartphone, which nearly everyone in the world anymore has, when all those things connect at the same time, I think that's when you have a quantum leap in the change of landscape of an industry, and I think that's what has occurred with us. I think there's still great people, there's still great products, there's still great opportunity, and I still believe, in my heart of hearts, that. There's no place as great as beauty. I think it's
0: the greatest place to be. You know, one of the things I I just got from what you were talking about was how, you know, different generations have different expectations. They have different values. And often I'll hear, you know, people from, from my, my generation, the sort of baby boomer generation, they'll talk about, you know, millennials, Generation Z, Generation Z, whatever you want to call them, depending on the country you're from. And they will talk about, you know, the, the, the work ethic um, that they have and how it's uh, uh, not what it used to be, so to speak. And and no, it isn't what it used to be uh, and nor should it be. It's constantly changing, but I don't think it is just any specific generation. I think it's people today, um, you know, all of us, whether you're 20 or whether you're 50, 60, we live in this world of rapid change and, and, uh, and, and rapid growth. So, you know, to survive and grow, you've got to embrace it. You've got to ride that wave, don't you? So what, what I want to ask you is this, what what sort of advice would you give to hairdressers today about accepting change, about embracing change, about, about going with it, dealing
1: with change? And it's, it's not easy because there's a portion of us that, uh, uh, just don't like it at all. We'll do everything we can to buck it, to resist it. Uh, many of us, especially the baby boomer era, uh, we were taught to strive for comfort. To it, you, you, You're successful when you made it to a point where you're in your comfort zone. And I've always taught that when you're in your comfort zone, you're going to get bored, you're going to get old, you're going to get tired. And the importance of the fact that all growth comes outside that comfort zone. Uh, however, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that if we look at the fact that that the speed of life not only will not slow down, it will continue to go faster because of technology. We must not only embrace change, but to be successful, to get the most out of the day even, um, you got to learn how to roll with it. You got to learn how to ride that wave. You got to learn how to just keep things moving and not get frustrated by it because then not only are you standing still, but odds are you're falling behind. I think if we could just embrace not only some of what's going on, even technologically, but also, I mean, you know, Anthony, you're, you're a hairdresser. We have an interesting way of understanding people. You know that. We really do. And you learn when you do 15 people a day, six days a week, in a couple of years, you understand the way people think and the problems people have and, yeah. and how people do the things they do. I've always tried to explain to, to hairdressers from from 18 to 80, Everyone has a heart, and if you appeal to that heart, uh, regardless of where you are, you're going to be busy. You know, people like people that understand feelings, so uh, I think my best advice to them would be just to roll with the changes and, uh, and don't try to swim upstream. One of the greatest things a, a great artist could do is find your flow, get in the river and flow with it. Don't try to change it. You know, um, the, the, oddly enough, I think one of my, the greatest sayings I ever heard that fit well in what we're talking about is that, uh, in order to be creative, which everybody wants to be, you have to burst first be receptive. So, To really embrace creativity and have all the creativity you need, you have to be receptive to new thinking, a new landscape, a new environment. And a lot of this is a result of the fact that our cultures have changed and growing up has changed and what's on television has changed and the movies have changed. Music has changed. So all of your environmental influences are different than they used to be. You know, some people say we're creating a monster. You know, you and I both work with a lot of young people and there are some monsters, but there's some
0: incredible talent out yeah, there. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, I um, I'll occasionally meet people that you know I haven't seen for twenty or thirty years. I'm sure it's the same for you. And and some of them you meet, you you see them, and you know they are they're living in the now. They're so positive. They're so you know excited. They they really are embracing life and doing really well. And then you'll meet other people that maybe you haven't seen for 20 or 30 years. And, and 20 or 30 years ago, maybe they were on the same page as you. And then you see them now and they're, they're worn out. They're, they're, they're bitter. You know, they're very despondent. They're, they're, they're negative. And I, I often look at them and I think, you know, you, you, you can't wish that it was like what it used to be like. What it was like 20 years ago is what it was like 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and just because you don't necessarily like the changes, whether they're changes in fashion or changes in business or you know changes in consumer expectations, it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It's those changes are happening. So we've always got to look for, well, where's the opportunity for me? How can I, what can I learn from this? How can I roll with the punches? Because you're going to get some, but what can I learn from this so that I come up smelling the roses? I agree. And I think a lot of people, especially I, I know, no, you're, you're a
1: business guru and you really have a, you have an acute understanding of how business operates, which I never have. But one of the things I've always tried to explain to people is, listen, it, it's very simple. No matter what changes, if you understand value, if you understand taking great care of people, you understand how to provide a service experience where you become a story. If you understand that even with all those changes, some things never change. The the classics never go away. So, if we really try to find a way to provide great value for the money, to, to give them an opportunity where they have an experience like they haven't had before, mm-hmm. we're still going to be successful. And I have a real thing when you talk about uh, seeing people that you haven't seen in a long time and they're bitter. I, I've never been able to understand that. I think that those are people that lose sight of the, I think, Is fragility a word? It is not. The fragility of (laughs) of life, that life is so fragile. You know, how could you be bitter? I mean, hell, how many days do you think you have left? You know, the the two things I try really careful not to do is I judge no one. Yeah, Live your life the way you want to live your life. Just let me do my thing. And I make sure I understand that today's a great day. I was so excited about coming over and working with you and making the podcast and and to tell you how great it is that you're providing this information to people. Even if it's just that one little thing they get out of this podcast where they say, wow, I'm going to change the way I think. You know, we've been incredibly successful. I think that, that, that people really have to grasp the fact that this is your day. Don't get bitter. Squeeze today dry. Make today work, no matter what. Even if it means you got to go hide under a rock, hide under a rock until you feel better. But don't come out like that because yeah. it's, it's not going to help anything, yeah. right?
0: Someone, someone gave me a, a great bit of advice once. Um, they, they sat through a, a, a management seminar, and uh, at the end of it, it was a journalist, and she came up to me, and you know, she'd sat through eight hours, and she said. If there was just one takeaway you give people, what would it be? And I must admit, I thought, you know, you've been sat here for eight hours. (laughs) You You must have got something. (laughs) How can I condense that (laughs) to one thing? But it was it was interesting to be put on that spot because I I remembered straight away some advice that someone had given me, and I can't remember who it was. And it was this: they said, "Look, in life, you know, you're going to get thrown some curveballs. You know, stuff happens, and." that what you have to do, and, and this applies, this is a life period, not just a, a, in the salon industry, whatever. Um, but what you have to do is you have to say, okay, what am I meant to learn from that? Because if you don't learn from it, it's going to happen again. Right. Yeah, so like, you know, stuff happens in the salon industry, a staff walkout, What? what you know, as an example. So, you know, that's going to happen. If you own a salon, you're going to have people leave you. It's just a matter of how many and how often and, and, and how you bounce back from it. But, but the key lesson was, Okay. So this was my tip to this journalist. That The best advice I'd give to a manager is that stuff happens. And that if you want to survive and grow and flourish and learn from it, you've got to say, all right, what am I meant to learn from that? So that it either doesn't happen again, or that if it does, I can at least limit the damage. Right. And so you're turning every negative thing into potentially a positive that it's, you know, I, I always say that everyone you meet, you meet for a reason. Yes. And everything that happens It happens for a reason. Yes. And, you know, so when bad stuff happens, well, what is the reason that's happened to you for? Because if you don't learn something from it, it's going to keep on happening until you do. Yeah. Yeah? I think the first thing I try to teach, especially
1: our people, artists, is uh, we choose with every decision. Will we react to it or will we respond to it? Yeah. And once they understand that reacting to a decision, a situation, a problem is purely emotional, yeah and responding is emotion mixed with logic think before you cut the person off in front of you what are you going to get out of it think before you get upset at a client that doesn't like their hair think before you let yourself get upset over the fact that it's raining and it's not a sunny day yeah. just put things in perspective and realize that we have control through the way we accept uh, the advice and make a decision and i think so many people they get so caught up it's kind of right where you're at. They don't not only learn from their mistakes, but, you know, we used to do a great thing in uh, my first and second salon. We would keep a log, like a journal, at the front desk. And with that journal, we would, whenever a client asked us a question that we didn't have an answer for them, we would write the question in the book. Mm -hmm. And that night, we'd all talk about, What's the the answer? And if you learn how to do that kind of in your own mind and you learn how to be a solution-oriented thinker instead of a problem-oriented thinker, it makes a world of difference.
0: I I love that. React versus respond. I'm going to use that. I'm going to steal that. I think you should. I'll credit you. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. I'll (laughs) do the same for you. I'm sure I'll get something (laughs) from you. Um, uh, One of the things I wanted to ask you about is that you know, we've both been fortunate enough to meet lots of you know icons in the hairdressing industry uh, and outside the hairdressing industry. But um, you know, with all this, these these people that you've met over your you know illustrious career, um, what, what do you notice that that, that people have gotten common, or, or, or what, what do you learn from them? What are what are some of the lessons that you've taken from you know some of the biggest names in the hairdressing industry? Well, it's
1: difficult because uh, I spent a lot of time fighting with my own ego. And I spent a lot of time when I first got into hair where I was so full of me, I thought I was the coolest guy in the world. Whenever I met anybody who was cooler than me, I thought that they wanted to learn from me. Not that I wanted to learn from them, that they, they must have wanted something from me. And I'll never forget the first time I met John McCormick. And John McCormick said to me, you know what? You're so full of yourself, there's no room for anybody else. And he said, you don't know how to listen. Really? And okay. I'm looking at him like, I don't like you. Yeah, yeah. But then I went home and thought about it, and I was like, he's right. If if you can't listen, you'll never learn. So, so it isn't even a matter of who you meet. It's a matter of when you meet somebody what is it that you're looking for? Yes. And then I began to see that when I have a chance to meet a, a Vidal Sassoon or meet Paul Mitchell or, or meet Jean-Paul DeJuri or meet Anthony Mascola or any of the greats. And I certainly do. I hate to start naming people because I don't want to miss anybody because there's so many. Not to mention that we, you and I even over the years, Anthony, we have an opportunity to be moment mentors, momentary mentors to each other. Here's what I look for. I look for everything about them, the way they're dressed, um, uh, how they speak, the words they choose to use, you know, what they're wearing, how they sit, because everything tells a story. Everything sends a message. And you begin to learn. The first thing I learned was every icon I've ever met anywhere in the world, every actor, every famous person, they have no ego. They, 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 most of them really want to help you. They want to help you grow. They understand the importance of let me get out what I know so that I can make room for, for more. And let me help the people, uh, that really have a heart for uh, life, for, for what we do. And, and I have found over the years that, that I've become very much the same way. And it's funny now when, when I hear people call me an icon, I, I look back at them like, wow, is that, is that, me is is that what's happened now how do i respond you know what is it that i was looking for and and these these people there's so much to learn not just in the way they think but the way they think the way they act the way they carry themselves what they wear what's the message they're trying to put out how they are with others how they are with themselves what they're reading what they're studying you know what they're listening to who moves them you know, the first thing I try to do always with when I believe I'm with a master, I try to find out what they study. What are you studying right now? You know, what are what are you, like you and I, what are you reading, man? What are you into? What's new? You know, um, I think that makes all difference in the world. But I also believe that I've been uh, fortunate, uh, perhaps because I've always been such a hungry individual. Uh, I create ways where I've been around magical people. I've met lots of rock stars. Uh, I've met lots of actors. I've met the, the best of the beauty industry. Even uh, I met Vidal Sassoon when I was a student in beauty school. I met Christopher Brooker when I was a student, Paul Mitchell when I was a student in beauty school. I met so many great people because I felt that uh, if, if it's important to you to be great and be special and, and, and see your industry from that level, uh you have to be around to absorb the influence of the people at that level right
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I, I remember once i had a um a, a coach uh was pretty much my first you know salon coach I was when i opened up my own salon and uh she was she was with me one day and one of my younger staff members came and 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 said something to me i, I can't remember what it was um and it's not a relevant part of the story, but but they came and said something to me, and my, my my response, which again I can't really remember what it was, but afterwards, my coach said to me, you know, you got to be so careful how you respond to these people. You know, I'm an, at this point in time, I'm an employer with maybe half a dozen staff. So it was at the beginning of my business ownership. She said, you've got to be so careful how you respond to them because, you know, that that, that 18-year-old, whatever they were, that just came up to you, you maybe don't realise the esteem that they hold you in, that they they look upon at, at you as being like, wow. And you can so easily be dismissive of them and and absolutely, you know, crush them. And, and so it's important, isn't it? Like, you know, what you're saying, I mean, the names that, the the people that you've met and the lessons that you've got, that happens at every level of the journey. So there's people listening to this that have got, you know, a small salon with three or four staff in the middle of nowhere, you know, all due respect to the middle of nowhere. But it's important the lesson that they take from it is that how they act, how they behave, how they talk, how they acknowledge their team uh, and how they treat people around them is incredibly important at building those people around them and, and, and building their, uh, their self-esteem. Yeah. Monumental, yeah. monumental. monumental. Yeah. And I'll never forget, uh, uh,
1: the greatest lesson I ever learned in regard to that was I had a friend that said to me one time, you're not careful enough with communication. And I was like, Oh no, no, no. I'm a good communicator, man. I, I take great pride in the event. And, and, and he was like, no, he said, you know what you do? You speak to people based on your level of thinking Mm-hmm. And he said, that doesn't work. You have to speak to people, all people, based on their level of understanding. And he was actually talking to me about my employees. But I immediately thought of it as, when you're not in the beauty profession, you pay full price for everything that happens. You pay full price for your products, full price for your haircuts, full price full price for your color. The minute you enter beauty school, you think differently. Mm-hmm. because all your products are at a discount and all your services are free. Mm-hmm. So you can't speak to a client based on your level of of thinking. You have to speak to them based on their level of understanding. They don't think like we do. And I think many times when you're in a leadership role, and to me a leadership role is being a father or, or a husband, you know, or a mother or a wife or a boss or a sister, we can be leaders. To, to each other. And if you're a boss with two employees or, or 20 employees, you have to be real careful that sometimes what's so important to them mm. might not appear to be that important to us. I don't know about you, but when I have an opportunity, I mean, I've been on stages all over the world and spoken to thousands of people. And I'll always say one thing different about our industry is you're going to get out on a stage and you're going to speak to a, a 19-year-old and a 69-year-old. And yeah. they're both out in the same audience. And I'll always say that the hardest part of today is going to be that the 19-year-old thinks a year is a mile long, and the 69-year-old knows that the year is an inch long. Yeah. And how do we come to grips with the fact that we see that so differently,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's as soon as you started talking, it reminded me of something I've heard you say before, which was you were talking, I think you were talking to Gordon Miller. Um, And you were telling this story about, how someone had given you something to listen to or to read? I can't remember what it was. And they wanted your opinion on it. And uh, you got back to them the next day and you said something. You remember what I'm talking about? You got back to them the next day and you said, I listened to it four times. And I listened to it, first of all, from the perspective as your friend. Tell us that story because I thought that was a great lesson. That was uh,
1: one of my few employees in my life and one of my first employees that uh, quit her job on me and asked if she could have an exit interview. And uh, I never even knew what an exit interview was. (laughs) Uh, But I had an exit interview with her and I learned from it. And then she gave me an old album, a 33 and a third vinyl of, uh, from Doug Cox, The Challenge of Success. And I went nuts. And I have a real thing about, I listened to it as her friend. Why did she want me to listen to it? I listened to it as her boss. Uh, What was it that she wanted me to learn from this? Mm. I listened to it as a hairdresser. You know, what are the things I can get out of it? And then I listened to it as an educator. What can I grab that's so good that I'm going to begin to give back to my employees, my children, my audience, my followers, you know? And I think a lot of people don't realize. I don't know if you were there yesterday. A few people came up and grabbed me uh, and said, what are you reading right now? And I said, well, I'm reading a lot, but it really doesn't matter. What matters is... Not only what you're reading, but I read what what talks to me, what what goes to my heart, mm. and I think that a lot of people don't realize that the best book you're going to read is a book where you connect with the author, that the author is really talking to you, that that it really hits home. So I think, see, I have no formal education, Anthony. I mean, I quit school when i was a kid i got my high school diploma because the army wanted me so bad when my drill sergeant found out that 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 i wasn't a high school graduate he instantly produced this high school graduation paper stamped it and i was a high school graduate ready to go to vietnam you know it's one of those things but i think sometimes not having a formal education really allows you to like mushroom and grow from the people and and things around you and uh I guess I was about 32 when I became an avid reader and the, the person that really got me interested in reading said, find authors that speak directly to you, speak to your heart. And I always have surrounded myself with great people that I feel spoke right to my heart.
0: Yeah. yeah. Is, is there anyone particular that you, you listen to or, or read outside of the industry that has in, inspired you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, probably first was Zig Ziglar. And uh,
1: I had some dear friends, uh, Steve and Terry Cowan. Steve Cowan is the uh, the distributor of professional salon concepts. And he has a couple of Paul Mitchell schools out in uh, Chicagoland. And Steve was kind enough to actually invest in me as a consultant. I, I worked for him doing classes and shows and sent me to Zig Ziglar for three days uh, to a program called Born to Win that I fell in love with. And all of a sudden understood the importance of of having coaches, mm. uh, of having inspiration around you, of having somebody who brings out the best in you, who makes you see that there's more to you than you think there is. You know, it almost brought me right back to beauty school. Uh, when I was in beauty school, Anthony, I had a, an instructor, Mrs. Sedlak, and uh, she said to me one day, I did a, a shampoo and said, I should probably back all this up before I forget. So... Uh, I'm really not a good hairdresser and never was, uh, but I don't know how to cut hair well. And, and I never have, and you might see me on stage a thousand size, but you're never going to see me with a pair of scissors because I did it once and never did it again. But I learned that, that, you know, people don't know great hair. They know great people. Customers don't. You, I used to have customers come back to me and say, if you can just get both sides, even, you know, I'll keep coming back. And I would always blame them and say, you know, you must've moved. You had your legs crossed. You, yeah, you know, you yeah. threw me off. So <laughs> So uh, maybe you were talking too much. Yeah, yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt. Don't move your head around so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so powering up, uh, I always looked for things that would differentiate me with my clients as I wasn't good with hair. Yeah. After I went through Zig's program and understood the importance of, of inspiration and of having coaches and of having people teach you and of having someone like my beauty school instructor that said, I know you don't have faith in yourself, borrow my faith in you mm. until you get your own. Uh, I learned that you can really borrow energy from these great leaders. So I went from Zig to falling in love with Mike Vance and uh, went down to Disney University to a couple of Mike Vance's programs, which then led me to looking for the root, Jim Rowan. Yeah. And I just, uh, Jim Rowan and I, uh, I can't tell you how many times I still listen to, uh, tapes, cassette tapes from Jim Rowan, uh, VCR stuff from from a million years ago, because he really made simple sense, just spectacular. And uh, I think I was telling you about the time uh, he was coming into Washington, D.C. to do a program. And uh, I got all of my top leadership in the in my salons and said, listen, we're all going to go see Jim Rohn. This guy's going to blow your mind. You're going to hear me because I talk all about him. And uh, I think I bought about 12 tickets. And uh, I don't remember exactly. And if you could talk to my wife, she'll tell you, I'm not great with numbers that whenever I give you a number, you either have to divide it by two or uh, multiply it by two, depending on how I'm feeling that day. Yeah, yeah. But if I remember correctly, uh, we did get a call, and uh, my receptionist got the call that uh, they were looking into canceling the program because they didn't sell enough tickets. And I was like, "Gosh, no, this this can't happen. Uh, I need to see Jim, and I need my I needed my top employees to see him. I thought it would really." I knew it would catapult us in great information. So I said, how many tickets do we need to sell? And I believe it was 250 or something. And I said to my receptionist, buy them all we'll sell them. And she's freaking out because we had no money, but we bought them all. And I began to sell them to clients. I sold them to friends, to neighbors, and I sold them to a lot of my staff. And we got all 250 or so tickets sold. And we go to the program and I'm like in the third row. Jim Rohn comes on stage and says how excited he is to be there. And then he says, who's Gino Stampora? And I looked up at him like, oh, my goodness, it's an angel calling me. This is such a great message. And we were friends for the rest of his life. I mean, we he would call me. we I'd go to different places to see him speak and had all of his material. And he was just one of those people that after a while just sent me his new stuff, just said, here, you know, listen to this. Let me know what you think of this. Stay focused. Keep something going every day. There are so many great people, great leadership, great inspiration, great mentors out there. You just have to search for the ones that 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 really talk to your heart. And, and I'll tell you, uh, Anthony, and you know me, I uh, I am Mr. Positivity in the beauty industry. And it's not that, you know, I see some people look at me and think, well, of course, he's lucky, you know, uh, look at how much money he makes and look at where he goes and look at what he does. And that's got nothing to do with it. You know, I was like that when I was a poor kid in, in New Jersey. And, and uh, a lot of times I'll say to my audience, let me tell you, about poor. I had five sisters and no brothers, and I used to wear my sisters' hand-me-downs all the time in school. <laughs> I started thinking one day, I'll bet my fourth grade teacher looked at me and said, a hairdresser, because I was always dressed in <laughs> girls' clothes, you know. Just, but something happens to you. You 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 develop this hunger. And then when you look at people like Jim Rohn, Mike Vance, you know, Anthony Robbins, all of them, uh, I try to explain to people inspiration is very short-lived. Yeah, You're going to listen to this podcast, and I know me, somewhere along the line, most of you are going to get inspired when you listen. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to put the podcast down, you're going to go, wow, I'm going to change the world. But then you're going to look at a globe and say, Jesus, the world is so big, you know, I'm just going to change Manchester. Then you're going to say, well, wow, Manchester is so big, I'm just going to clean my car, go back to work, and start over. What people have to understand is t- t- to have great inspiration you have to have an inspirational mentor, inspirational books, Mm. tapes, podcasts, CDs, ideas, you know, people coming at you all the time
0: to to reinvigorate you, to re-inspire you, to keep you, keep you on the top, you know? Yeah. I I love that story about Jim Rohn and you buying all the tickets. I mean, for anybody who doesn't know, Jim Jim Mm -hmm. Rohn, is uh, he was uh, well? Anthony Robbins was was the, the guy that Anthony Robbins got a lot of his yeah. you know inf- information from. It. Yeah, you know, and uh, and Robbins presents it uh, you know brilliantly, and he's definitely the master of of you know the human condition, so to speak. But I was lucky enough to to see Jim Rohn um, years ago, twenty five years ago, and it, he was one of the earlier people that i have seen as as a, uh, as a as a motivational speaker, as a success coach, and. I still use one of his things today um, when I do a seminar because he, he came on stage at the beginning of it. It was a three-day event. And he said, at the end of these three days, I'm going to tell you the secret of success. And, uh, and you know me, I like a one-liner. I'm looking forward to the secret of success. I'm going to get it tattooed on my forehead. And um, <laughs> like, at the end of the three days comes and, you know, he gets a, a standing ovation and he walks off stage and, and someone calls out from the back of the room, hang on, you know, what about the secret of success? <laughs> And he turns around and he walks back on the stage and said, I'm sorry, I've forgotten. He, he, he goes to the flip chart and he gets a, a, a pen. And this is exactly what I do. And he writes on the flip chart, the secret of success is the things that are easy to do. Are or just easy as not easy to not to do. And And at the time, I was so disillusioned because I was looking for one of those you know, quote yeah. that was just like, yeah. "Wow, yeah, rock my world." Yeah, exactly. And and you know, the secret of success, and that was his secret of success: the things that are easy to do, are easy not to do. And I was a bit disappointed with it, but I I now talk about that quote in the context of of you know, it's easy to to look a client in the eye. It's easy to. Um, ask them what they've got on their hair at the moment. It's easy to show them what you're using, to educate them why you're using it, how to use it, when to use it. It's easy to walk them to the front desk and offer them, you know, if they'd like me that to take home with them. It's easy to do all that stuff, but it's just as easy not to do it. Do you know what I mean? And so it, it runs through everything. So it's actually a really powerful quote. Not only do I know what you mean, but I, I don't
1: know if you know this, but it's actually one of my favorite quotes, too. No. Well, I live yeah. by it because I agree with you. And I think that a lot of people, and I don't know about you, but having not gone to school much, I never thought that I was smart yeah i never questioned it i mean i was doing well i was making good money i was a hairdresser i fell into beauty school it accepted me it embraced me i loved it and uh, and i loved being in the salon and all of a sudden i would i had Clients, I had that people say all the time, Oh my goodness, well, what was your turning point? You know, I never had a turning point. I had little shit that happened. And then I would be like, wait a minute, you yeah. better pay attention to that. That meant something. Yeah. One day I must have had 13 clients that said, you know, you're really smart. What do you read? And I would kept saying, Well, I don't, I don't read. What do I read? I read The Catcher in the Rye when I was in high school, because you had to read it. Yeah. And I love J.D. Salinger now, but back then it was like this stupid book. But if you didn't read it, you weren't getting out, you know, <laughs> kind of a thing. So, but then I thought, yeah. hell, what if I started reading, which now I say to people all the time, listen, someplace close to your house, it's a big brick building called the library. Yeah. And you're allowed to go there and b- borrow books and, and read and study. So yeah, I, and, and you know, the fact of the matter is, I'm sure every time you speak, Anthony, you mention a book or 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 your book even, and it astounds me when I talk about my CDs. They're the best-selling CDs in the industry. How 300 people can't run up to the stage to buy them. 150 of them are just going to walk out and they don't think it's going to make a difference. Mm. But you always got that 30 or 40, that 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 20 or 30 percent that want to come up and they want to buy everything mm. and they want to devour your book and read it and reread it and listen over and over again. That's what makes us different, mm. you know? That's the ones that understand whatever's easy to do is just as easy not to do in it. That, that that, like when you said the hardest thing that I tried to teach my staff was in. Being a great hairdresser and understanding how to create an experience, many people are never going to buy in. Many customers are never going to reschedule. Many customers are never going to buy your products. Many customers are, are never going to buy you or buy your ideas or get a treatment or get hair color or get a perm or, or get a weave, Or, but many people are. Mm. And I think the biggest thing about our industry is just ask just ask more people more times and stay focused on do things right because it is easy not to do. And you'll find you'll sell more, you'll be busier, you'll have more clients reschedule, you'll have a greater clientele. You know, everything is a numbers game mm-hmm. and I hate numbers. But, you know, if, if, if you've been behind the chair for a year or two and you're not full, Something's terribly wrong and odds are it's terribly wrong with you. It's not your boss, not the advertising. It's not the president. It's not the, the environment. It's you. It's, it's either what you're saying or not saying. And, and I hate to get so passionate, but it makes me crazy because how could anyone not be successful in beauty if they'd try, mm. especially when I know that, you know, that I've been and the, the path I've taken and it's just been now, don't get me wrong. I do love us. Always have. I mean, I love us. I love our industry. I love everything about us. I think there's nothing quite like beauty, you know? I really do. And uh, we we were on vacation a few months ago, and my son was asking me if I wanted to go fishing or kayaking with him or something. And I said, honey, I don't do that stuff. I'm a poor boy from New Jersey. I said, the closest I'd come to fishing is if you had your fishing pole tied to the top of your car and it wasn't tied strong enough, I'd untie it and sell it down the road, you know? And I said to him, you go. He's like, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'll go to a salon. I'll, I'll see my people. Smell the developer. You know, the smell of money just goes, I'll bring. And he was like, what if they don't know you? I said, just bring food. Any salon wants you if you bring food, bring a yeah. pizza, bring some McDonald's. Everybody there is hungry and you know it, whether yeah. it's a three chair or 30 chair, you know.
0: Yeah. You, know you, so. you, you, you talked a bit a minute ago about um, your childhood. You said it was a, a pretty tough uh, upbringing. There's a lot of people in our industry that have come from tough upbringings. Um, what, t- talk about overcoming adversity like what are things that you need to do because a lot of people they're starting from way back behind the start line and you know some people make it and some people don't so how do you overcome adversity it's uh it's a tough one isn't it it's a
1: tough one and uh i did we did grow up poor real poor and uh my dad was an alcoholic. My mom was just kind of nuts. My sisters were great, but everybody was kind of all on their own, doing their own thing. And for the longest time, I actually just pretended it didn't exist. And then when I finally got old enough to uh, to uncover it, uh, I began to realize the importance of, you know, it's so hard to explain, but the fact of the matter is, I had an opportunity years ago to meet Al Pacino. And Al Pacino said to me, you know, There was a time when I hated me, and he said, uh, I just went home one night and said, I'm going to take the me I hate and get rid of them, and I'm going to create a whole new me that I love. And he created a whole new him that he loved, and I thought, you know, that's exactly what I did. However, I then began to surround myself with people that brought out the best in me. Uh, that, that, that wanted me to, to be the best, that had faith and courage and belief in me. I think that's a part of overcoming adversity. But I also think you have to embrace, you know, one of our great uh, leaders, Doug Cox, all the time. When, when I met him and I said, well, you know, Doug, I was poor. Uh, when I grew up, we had nothing. And Doug said, so what? And I said, you know, Doug, and, you know, it was tough going through school and I was abused, I was bullied. And Doug said, so what? And I said, and then when I got out, I got drafted and I was in the army. I never got my high school diploma. And, and Doug said, so what? And I just got so mad at him. Look at him and go, I go, you're supposed to help me here. All you're saying, damn it, is so what? So what? What? And he goes, so what? At some point, the true overcoming of diversity is you pick up your life, you take the best of what you have, you leave what's not working, and you strive and grow with what is working. And so what? We we've all had crap. We've we've all had things we have to encounter. You have to find as quickly as you can to leave what's not working behind you mm-hmm. so that you've got the room, the energy, the time to grow what is working. And, and we're all going to make mis- mistakes. It never goes away. Every now and then, even now, you know, I get in that hotel room and think, do you really have the message for these thousand people you're going to talk to? I mean, and I know, I'll tell you, and I think you know, I have a disclaimer that I use all the time when I'm talking to a thousand people. Although we say, look, some of you, God can't move. <laughs> I'm going to give you all I got, but I'm not God. So there's no doubt in my mind that I know that some of you are going to walk out of here just as bad as you walked in. But I know darn well some of you, we're going to get through to just like we
0: are today. You yeah, know? Exactly. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. just, just uh, we need to sort of be heading towards wrapping up. Um, I want you to, to, to speak to the different types of people listening to this. So, for example, I, I know that maybe we've got people listening to this that are either in a beauty school, Um, or doing an apprenticeship somewhere at the very beginning of their career. So that that young, you know, 18, 19 year old, you know, what what, what bit of advice would you give them at this end of your career? If you were talking to, if you were talking to the genome of an 18 year old, what would you say are the important things for them to know? I would say, number one, you're smarter
1: than you think you are. You've made a great decision. Uh, You've decided to embark upon a career in the greatest industry that has ever existed. If you're half good, You'll be okay in this industry. If you're three quarters good, you'll make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. If you can become a master of your career, uh, the world is yours. You'll see the world. You'll have the greatest time ever. Uh, I think it's important when you're young to really focus on wherever you are, be there. If you're a student or you're an apprentice, be the best student or the best apprentice you can be. Don't start dreaming about having a million dollar book or owning your own salon. Everything comes in time. And we have to give ourselves like a flower the time to bloom, the time to blossom mm-hmm. and just kind of know where we are. Don't rush life, you know? We end up spending half our life rushing it and the other half our life wishing it would slow down. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Which is what people do in in their career so I think that would be the the best thing I would give to them is, uh, if you're apprenticing, be an irreplaceable apprentice. If you're a student, be an irreplaceable. My beauty school loved me. I brought 14 kids into that beauty school and signed them up. My beauty school loved
0: me. They talked about me. Mm. You know? Okay. What, what, what about the next level? So, you know, your person listening to this is a stylist. They're, they're I don't know. They've been in the industry for five, ten years. They've got a full column but they don't own a salon or whatever, Uh, but they're questioning their life, their future. Uh, What advice would you give to that person, that stylist who's in a salon, who's been in the industry, like I say, for five or 10 years? I would say have faith in yourself.
1: Uh, Learn everything you need to learn. How do you fill that gap right now? Uh, uh, I think the most important thing is to become fully scheduled Mm -hmm. because when you become fully scheduled... Uh, you're, you're a real professional. People are really listening to you. You're 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 hitting all the marks right. And um, I don't know, I've always had a thing about if your stress level is, is a mile high and your income's only a half a mile high, that's dangerous, unhealthy income. But if your stress level stays a mile high and your income gets two miles high, you have dangerous, unhealthy stress, but you don't care. Yeah. You know, you're going shopping or you're going to go to a seminar. So I think it's important to, even at an early age as a, Stylist, maximize your income. You know, become uh, become great at what you do as quickly as you can. But also pay attention to your numbers. Mm. If you're young and you've been a year behind the chair and you're not beginning to fill, you're missing something. You, you've got to fill that gap. You're doing something wrong, and you deserve to get busy quickly. And you can't wait for anyone. You know, you've got to go out and pretty much do it yourself. And this would kind of apply to the full stream, uh, Anthony. But if you came to my house and you stayed in my guest room, you'd know that I was in love with the beauty industry and always have been. Vidal Sassoon's movies and the DVD player, Launchpad, uh, Modern Salon, American Salon, Salon Today magazine is in the room. My favorite beauty books. I have a wall with a lot of my diplomas and things on it. And people can see that sometimes people walk out and go, Wow, you really are the man in the beauty industry. And I'm like, Well, this is one of them, you know, somewhat, but I don't want to brag. I- I want you to see it. I want you to get it. So I think that would be the best advice to them is just to have faith. Okay. If if you do your job here and you learn how to fill those gaps in your mind with the right information, the right leadership, the right books like yours, uh, it'd make all the difference in the world.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what about the, a good advice? What, what about the next the next level of person? So they're now thinking of opening a salon. What would you say? The number one bit of advice or, you know, a couple of kernels of wisdom for that stylist who's thinking the next step is that I open my own business. I think all salons matter. I think whether it's a three-chair or a
1: 50-chair salon, you have to look at the type of clientele you'd like to attract. What kind of people are you most comfortable with? If you're going to charge $8 for a haircut, they can sit on a bench. If you're going to charge $80, they should have a nice leather chair. I think you have to pay attention to the aesthetics and things that are around you. And most importantly, if I was ever going to open another salon, I would interview 15 salon owners that have salons just like I'd like to own. Mm. and really learn from them. You know, people forget sometimes we're artists, everything about us, even you and I that have become great speakers. I've learned more from other great speakers in my industry than from anyone, because we do learn, you know, from each other. We learn through osmosis. So I think most importantly for them, before you open your door, find 15 people that opened a door like you and spend
0: a day or two with them, shadow them,
1: mm, learn definitely. from them.
0: Yeah, good yeah. advice, good advice. Okay, so uh, then we're going to have those people listening to this that are, they've got a salon, they're successful, they've got you know half a dozen staff, a dozen staff, whatever, they're driving a nice car, live in a nice house, but you know they're, they're, they're 40 or whatever. Um, what sort of advice would you give them?
1: Pay attention to your age, be careful of the time, be putting some money away, take great care of your staff today, have no one that's that's in any way shape or form bent out of shape because they can cause a lot of trouble real fast things are happening real fast make your people love you take good care of them bring pizza in have parties you know grow people but also pay attention to uh are you in your comfort zone yeah uh, you got to make sure you step outside that because if you're in your comfort zone you're not stepping out yeah things get boring quick it it it, it creeps up on you You don't even realize and all of a sudden one day you wake up and you're like Wait a minute, I thought I loved this. Mm. You know, it's so hard to explain to people sometimes that 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 all love, all loves, all forms of love need to be rekindled. Mm. Right? You you need to you need to breathe new new life into it. I mean, some of you that are listening to this podcast, you're married, you're happily married. I understand, so am I, but there's still days I drive home, look inside and go, shoot, you know, they're in there. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and in our job, they think we had a good time today. So they're waiting for us to come in, you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> there and, there. and I know where you're going with this. Now we're heading toward the cynical I am. I'm, I'm now
0: heading towards it. Well, I actually, I spoke to someone last night. Uh, I think everyone you meet, you meet for reasons. And, and, and you know, there's messages there all the time. And uh, a, a, a young, I was going to say a young lady, which obviously she wasn't a young lady. Uh, a woman came up to me last night and uh, she told me her age and, and she was about to turn 70 and she has a, a salon, uh, and her husband passed away last year, and uh, she was telling me how much she loves our industry still, and she said But my husband looked after everything. He looked after the finances, everything. She said, I, I, I was the hairdresser. I did hair, and, and now I've got this salon. It's a, it's a successful business, um, but she said, you know, my accountant's telling me that I need um, an exit strategy, and um, you know, she said, so, so, "So I'm I'm here, and I think I'm meant to meet you, and you're meant to talk to me." Um, what would you say to to people at the end of their career? Because you know that time arrives for all of us. What are the what are the key things that they should do so that they um, benefit most from the investment that they've made? Not just financial investment, but the investment of their time. What's the best way to you know um, maybe maybe you know, finish up this in this industry?
1: You know, it, it, it's interesting because uh, as I've gotten older, uh, I became very concerned, actually had a good friend that said to me, no longer speak to the beauty school students because uh, you won't connect with them. You won't be able to connect because they're so much younger than you. They're students. And I thought, uh, I'm going to turn that into a direct challenge and I'm going to find a way to achieve guru status in our industry and i think everybody can do that i guess the best lesson is uh that third trimester looks a whole lot different than the first two you're kind of climbing down the mountain uh you have to be thankful and appreciative for all the things that you did while but now's the time really to just enjoy life pass the baton so to speak on to someone else i would look for because i think it's so beneficial personally The younger people maybe that have committed to me within my company and passed down to them Mm. my wisdom, my thoughts, my ideas. Certainly, Mm. uh, it's a little late to start thinking about saving some cash and stuff, but you better have some stuff put away. And then really looking toward um, the fact of squeezing the day dry. You know, you had mentioned one of your favorite sayings from Jim Rowan. Uh, I'll never forget, actually, the night that I met Jim Rowan and we were having dinner that night. And he said, uh, I looked at my watch and he got upset by that and said, uh, you know, uh, is time, do you have to go? Is it is it a time thing? He said, because if you look at your watch, you're kind of not with me. He said, and I'm getting to the most important part of the night. And I was like, oh boy, you know, what have I done? I've kind of upset him. And he said, Gino, uh, you seem to be the kind of guy that gets through the day. He said, I'm going to teach you how to get from the day. And that one saying. I think fits so well with those that are walking off the mountain, just practice staying focused on get from the day you still matter. The day stills matters. There's tremendous value within you. Find a way to give it back, but also find a way to get from the day. You made your mark. Now it's time to move into perhaps a new
0: mark, but it's okay. You know? Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Uh, Gina, I could talk to you all day, but we we do need to uh, wrap up. Um, just, well, just I on, hope we a, can
1: do this again. Well, I look forward
0: to doing I it again. I can't wait be- for part two. Before we go, where can people find you? Uh,
1: genostampora.com, mm-hmm. uh, be the easiest way. Uh, that's my my uh, website. Uh, also, my email, geno at genostampora.com. That's G-E-N-O, mm-hmm. at G-E-N-O-S-T-A-M-P-O-R-A.com uh and i'm easy you know i'm everywhere what about social media Uh, oh gino stamp facebook linkedin uh instagram Uh, i try to instagram two or three times a week put an inspirational quote on to just get people to stay focused on the fact that you're alive you're not dead because some people are (laughs) dead and they haven't fallen over yet and they need to breathe a good uh, a good uh, oxygen to realize that you know
0: yeah and i'd love to hear from you everyone out there please Fantastic. Well, Gino, look, I'm sure our audience has got a lot out of this. I've certainly enjoyed, you know, once again, uh, having the opportunity to listen to you and your kernels of wisdom that you so uh, uh, generously pass on to everybody. So thank you very much gino stampora for being part of the grow my salon business podcast you're so welcome and ladies and gentlemen that are listening if i could share with you if
1: you'd like to do anthony the greatest favor in the world get out there and tell everybody you know about this podcast and how much you learn from it and this is what we do for each other building this podcast is just like building business behind the chair so get in the habit of telling people what you're into thank you so much god bless you have a wonderful career cheers thanks gino thank you